I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So for everybody out there wondering, like, when would Tom Brady or would Tom Brady give a phone call, text message, FaceTime, whatever they do, um, to Kyle Trask, you can relax. R-E-L-A-X, as Aaron Rodgers would not say to uh, to his backup quarterback. But no, Brady has finally reached out to Kyle Trask. I guess Trask uh let it be known on NFL Network late last week that it was a couple took him a couple days at the draft. I mean, first of all, Brady was at the Kentucky Derby. He's a busy right? guy. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, you know, he's Tom freaking Brady like, you know, he don't have time to call rookie quarterbacks when they're drafted, but he finally got around to it. He finally got around to it. And uh, and I thought was what was interesting, Steve, is that he says, um, according to Trask, that one of the first things he asked him to do is, "Hey, when are you coming to town?" Which he could have asked any coach that there's a rookie minicamp this week. He's coming to town Wednesday. But when are you coming to town? And let's get together and throw. You know, let's let's have some workouts. That brings on a whole another level of of are they going to work out or not, uh, which we can get into and what Brady's stance on that is, but. Yeah, I mean he's in, he's embracing this. I mean, I, I guess there's some people that may have thought, you know, with what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo, and they, you know, somebody had to leave town. And it was Jimmy, and he had the owner's voice, you know, with with Bob Kraft, the owner's ear, and um, they ended up trading him to San Francisco and all that. Maybe Brady would be put out, maybe, but but at this point in his career, I think he realizes now. Look, he may play four more years. We don't know. They told they pretty much told Tom you can play as long as you want to, um, but I think. I, I, I'm not surprised by this. I, I thought that he would call him at some point, and it's happened. They're going to get together. I thought he would call him and give him the wrong address to Byron Leftwich's house, so he walks <laughs> in the wrong house. It's, that way Brady's not the only one who did that. That's right. Hey, go to this park. It's yeah, closed, but you prank, go. A little prank, right. you know? That's actually pretty funny. But, um, yeah, he didn't do that. I mean, I, look – I don't know. I mean, maybe he gave him directions to Berkeley since we don't know if they're going to end up at uh, the Advent Health Training Center or not. But um, he's embracing this. My my first of all, my like 30,000 foot view of Tom Brady in the quarterback room. And of course, you know, I don't think he's threatened by either Blaine Gabbert or Ryan Griffin. Let's be honest. But he's a really good teammate. Like he's not a jerk. You know, he's not a guy that's standoffish that you know, um, isn't going to talk to a guy that's in the quarterback room because this guy may eventually replace me or whatever. Um, first of all, no one's trying to replace Tom Brady, much less in Tampa Bay. I mean, the man put a Lombardi trophy in the case his first year, um, takes $25 million when he could make 45 if he wanted to, leaves a lot of money on the table for everybody else. So so Tom Brady is good with everyone over there with the Bucks, And they did tell him beforehand that, hey, we may draft a quarterback, and I'm sure they told him it might be the kid up here at Florida um, that has a lot of your qualities, which means he's not incredibly athletic. His arm was just okay, and you know I think Tom's is better than okay right now, but he reads things real well. He's going to be a good fit in the offense. Tom doesn't care. I mean, Tom's not worried about Tom. Tom is good with Tom, and the Bucks are good with Tom, and I think he knows that. 
So they got that out of the way, right? Um, he's not a free agent. He's signed for two more years. And if he wants to play longer, they would embrace it. But um, Trask sort of like to me, it's funny when he, he was interviewed, he was at the Dick Vitale thing, um, you know, for Jimmy V to raise uh, money for pediatric cancer, which, by the way, he raised an obscene amount of money. Again, good for Dickie V down there. Um, and he, and he was still he's still kind of starstruck. I mean, I think Trask is is like, yeah, it's really kind of neat. Like, you know, talk to Tom Brady and he was great. He says, when you come into town, let's get together and throw. I mean, that's that's got to be amazing for these kids that are as old as Tom Brady's entire NFL career. I mean, they didn't even know that that there was football and Brady was not just playing, but he was playing for the Patriots. That's how that's how long he's been at this. So we're going to talk about Brady a little bit on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. That wasn't the only news that Brady made, um, sort of since we last spoke over the weekend. He also got on a conference call, and this was interesting to me because Brady is not uh, one to be very vocal about things like union issues, right? Um, And he's been in this league a long time, and he's benefited from a lot of uh, what has been negotiated with the union and the NFL players. But we're at a juncture now. It's a very odd time. You get the rookie minicamp, which uh, starts this weekend. Players, I think, come in on Wednesday night. Um, they're going to be on the field practicing Friday and Saturday. And the union has even said to the rookies, hey, we don't want you going to the offseason uh, rookie minicamps. Now, to, the, to date, the teams that have had them, some have had them right after the draft. Uh, there's been perfect attendance. No one has actually skipped those. And Frankly, I'd be a little nervous if I was a rookie and decided not to come, uh, and I think that's a tough sell. Um, but in as much as they're going to be union players as well when you join the NFL, I can see why the union is telling them to stay away. But Brady got on this thing, and there was a conference call, and they said he made an impassioned speech um, telling players to, to stick together and to, to negotiate with, uh, with coaches, with owners, um, and and find a a new pathway to the off season that is not one that that it, as it's designed right now that includes off season uh, you know organized team activities off season training man you know they're not mandatory they have one mandatory mini camp but all the voluntary OTAs and things the the stance of the union is that look we don't need these anymore you know this was negotiated twenty years ago we went through a whole year last season where these guys didn't have to come in. And I guess Brady likened it. It was interesting on the call, according to Tom Palisario of NFL Network, he said things like, look, what other sports, what other sport asks us or asks their players in the middle of their offseason or even at sort of the beginning of their offseason to come in and like if you're a baseball player, you're not coming in in January or December and throwing 95-mile bullpen, you know, mile-per-hour bullpens off the mound. Like, you're just not being asked to do that. And even though these guys aren't in pads and stuff, their receivers are running full speed, the quarterbacks are throwing hard. And and so, you know, their stance, his stance was sort of like, you know, I've been at this for a while, and when we negotiated these, these rules, it might have made sense then. It doesn't make sense now. It was 20 years ago. Let's get in here and let's stick together. Let's not go to training, uh, you know, to the off-season workouts. Let's let's you know be a union and make ownership talk to players about revamping a a more um, you know lax off-season where we don't have to come in at all. Yeah, I mean those rules, and you and Tom talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, 
a lot of those rules were when you know players were out of shape. I mean, they came to training camps or to spring training, mm-hmm. and that was to to you know lose ten pounds and and yeah. work out and lift a weight for the first time since you played last. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why those rules were. That's why a lot of those off season programs are. I mean, you know, the NBA and the NHL that you know once they're done for the year, they're done until they come they're back done. for camp. Same thing uh, with baseball, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. the, there are some players that'll come in a few weeks early of spring training to do some right. stuff, but. But I mean, for the most part, yeah. I mean, football's the, the the weird one that has all these all these different weekends and weeks, you know, for months leading up to the season. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, they have the shortest season too, as far as in game season. Um, but I mean, these players today are they they keep in shape year round. I mean, they're not they're not taking second jobs and and sitting around doing nothing all off season and then come to camp to to get in shape because you do that, you're cut. I mean, there's right. no question about it anymore. I mean. It's it's a whole different environment around sports, and there's a lot more money involved in it too, which is why you have to stay in shape year round. Otherwise, you sure. lose your job, and you don't want to lose that huge paycheck that comes with sports anymore. And you know what the owners would say is, well, you know these are voluntary, right? It's voluntary, but they're taking attendance. You know, I always get a kick out of that. Like, well, who wasn't here? And they can they can read you. You know, they know the list of players who didn't show up. And in football, more than any other sport, and this is true from the if you've if you've ever been involved even in youth league, right? In football, when you miss a rep, when you can't line up at your position for whatever reason, say you're injured, say you're absent, say you know you, you had something else that night, even from 10 years old on, that means somebody else is jumping in there. And you're giving coaches a chance to look at someone at your position. And like I said, more than baseball, basketball, any of that, football is one of those sports where it's such a next man up mentality that coaches fall in love with who's playing, not with who's not there. And so you'd have to be a really strong talent at any level to think that you're not going to lose your job because everybody gets their job the same way. Okay. Somebody got hurt or somebody got to jump in and do a rep and they were better than the guy that was playing that position. And so what you never want to do, uh, even, even the greatest players on earth, including Brady, you don't want to give reps to somebody else because you don't want them to have the opportunity that is yours. And so, you know, I know they say it's voluntary and some players come and some players do occasionally stay away. Like I don't think uh, Jason Pierre Paul, for example, has, has been, even though he has a workout bonus has been one to do a whole lot in the off season, been hurt a lot for what, for starters. Um, but for the most part, they feel like, you know, yeah, you say it's voluntary, but if I'm not there, I could lose my job. And, you know, coaches will tell you that they want the rookies there as much as possible because they don't know anything about the offense. They don't know anything about pro football and once they get to training camp, you can't teach them because now we're trying to prepare for whoever the week one opponent is that's coming up in about a month. So, you know, we, we've already sped past the orientation part of it straight to game planning. And so, you know, it, it's, it's probably more important for young players, but they're also not getting paid. And this is the thing, you know, they, they get their checks. I think the NFL used to spread it out over 17 weeks. Now they're talking about maybe extending that. Uh, and deferring it over 30-something weeks. But regardless, they're not getting paid other than so many hundred dollars a day, um, you know, which is really essentially a per diem um, to come in there in the off season. And it's, 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 you know, it's couch money. It's what you'd find under the cushions for them. So they're not interested. And I can't blame them. Now, the big problem is, and there was a player in Denver the other day that tore his Achilles working outside the facility and he has about $10 million now. He went on a non-football injury list because even though he got hurt playing football, he didn't get hurt in the facility. 
and he may lose $10 million as a result of it. You know, and that's that's the part that they're going to have to come to grips with, because unless they change that, you know, who's going to go to Berkeley prep and throw or who's going to go to Montana with with, uh, you know, Tom Brady, because, you know, these guys are still going to work out. And the league stance is, look, if you're going to still work out, why are you going to, you know, any time fitness versus our strength and conditioning 10,000 foot, you know, weight center with all the doctors and the, and the best trainers? Why are you going and doing all this on your own? So I see both sides of it, but I, I don't think um, – I, I, I just think there's going to have to be a change to the offseason. And I think, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, whatever you want to say, it worked just fine last year. You know, I, I mean, we had an NFL season, and these guys didn't get to do anything. The easy, the easy way to fix this is you get rid of the mandatory programs and all that, mm-hmm. but you open your facility year-round to the players. Perfect. Yep. And so if Tom Brady wants to get together with his receivers, you go to one buck place and do it. Or right. the Advent Health Center, whatever it's called now. Sure, sure. You know, if if the offensive but now line no wants to get coaches, together and though, watch right? well, you know, no coaches. I mean, but the, yeah. the facility it's the team facility. You're employed by the team. Right. Lift weights. You know, run, you may have to whatever. schedule ahead of time to make sure trainers are there or whatever else and, and there may be some logistics with that. Right. Um, but you know, that way that way you're working out in a controlled environment. You're you're in your locker room. You got film. You got whatever you want there, and it's, you don't have to go rent Berkeley Prep or anywhere else to go. Yeah, I mean, make it simple. Let, you know, open your facilities year round to your employees, which is what right. the, the the players are, and and let them go work out there. And and there may be some limits on it, or you know, I mean, okay, if you if you want to say, you know, there's only so many days a year you can do that, whatever for logistics and whatever. Okay, fine, that can all be negotiated, but right, you know, don't make. You know, whoever, if, if, you know, if, if Trevor Lawrence wants to get together with his receivers in Jacksonville, let him do it at the facility. You're under right. contract. You're, you know, it, you're it's, an employee. It's, yeah. You know, I mean, you can work out the logistics of, you know, how long and how many times or whatever because of staffing and training and whatever else you got to do. And, you know, there may be limits for meal stuff because of, you know, it's extra pay or, you know, there's all that stuff that can be worked out, but that's easy to negotiate. I got news for you, too, and then I don't know if people realize this or not. Now, I can't speak for head coaches because they tend to worry about everything. I mean, because they're the head coach. But I can tell you this. I have not met many assistant coaches who think they should be coaching and practicing in the offseason either. They want to be off and play golf like everybody else. I mean, seriously, they practice? You think they want more practices? I mean, this is – the NFL season is is such a grind, and it's such a war of attrition, literally – um, on your rosters that, you know, whenever you start training camp, be it the end of July, um, now they're going to have three preseason games, a week in between, then start the regular season. Then if you're going to play 17 games this year with a bye week, so that's 18 weeks of the regular season, then you're going to go into the playoffs and maybe have as many as four weeks of the po- of the postseason and Super Bowl. I mean, you're talking about 23 weeks of football, not, you know, not – baseball or basketball or you know even even hockey which is very physical but like knock down drag out guys get injured every week football and you're going to do that for you know 24 weeks or whatever i mean i can you know i can see why when it's over they want it to be over and you're right maybe they renegotiate this and they say hey no one is coming in before middle of july you know or no one's coming in except for weight training beginning you know end of May or whatever you want to do. But I, I just think the biggest thing is that, um, you know, when this started and I remember it vividly, 
I, I, I could look this up, and I may be wrong about the year, but I don't think I am. Because I remember when John Gruden showed up to Tampa in 2002, before the start of the season, that, that he got hired in February. By March, um, the league had started this, this business about what was quote-unquote organized team activities. Hell, it was training camp. And they, they have since modified that and said you can only have so many days throughout the summer. You can't have more than uh, three days without giving the guys four days off. Um, you can't have, you know, this many per week, that sort of thing. Uh, the media has to have access once every three OTAs. So they put a lot of restrictions and they shrunk it. They shrunk it down a lot. But that first year, I'm telling you, John Gruden had those guys out there, I think, um, pretty much Tuesday through Thursday anyway, if not if not Friday. And they were running two-hour two practices. I mean, like they were training camp, but in shorts. Um, and I remember Rondy Barber coming up to me and all but begging me to write something. He go, he goes, Rick, he goes, it's freaking training camp. He's, he's crushing us out here. We're running two hour practices in March. He goes, I'm an older player. I, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. This is, this is insane. You know, we're not going to have anything left by the time we get to training camp. We're in Florida. You know, it's pretty damn hot when you get to April and May. So, you know, and, and they, they, they've since cut it back, but Definitely, it needs to be modified, in my opinion. And I can't blame these guys. What's interesting, though, is the thing about Brady. He got a lot of pushback because Brady has not typically been, you know, brought out there as a union guy. And I think the union called in the big guns. I think that they realized there's going to be some teams and some players that are going to start their offseason program, which is going to be this week, by the way, where they can actually come on the field with some coaches and do some stuff. And I think they're trying to keep the ranks together, as any union would. And so they brought Tom out there to talk about how it was and and how it was negotiated and how they got to stick together and all of that. Otherwise, you know, this is the same Tom Brady that a year ago during during a a pandemic, um, the union was trying to negotiate protocols about, you know, making it safe in the facility and who was going to get tested and how often they were going to get tested and, and wearing you know, contact tracing uh, equipment and all this. And in the middle of those negotiations, you had guys like Brady and, you know, 12 to 14 players at Berkeley Prep in the middle of COVID with no no protocols, no masks, no, no separation, no anything going out there. And they were the only team that was doing it that was working out on their own. And the union said, hey, for the love of God, while we're negotiating this, can you st- guys stop acting like COVID isn't a problem and stop working out? And Brady said, no. <laughs> and in fact, that's when he came out and, you know, they went back. I went back out there, saw them at Berkeley, Berkeley prepped after that memo went out from the union. And that's when Brady, you know, texted out the, you know, nothing to fear, but fear itself. Um, whole comment and from FDR. So he's been kind of, you know, on both sides of this equation a little bit, but I think they really needed him um, to pull the ranks together. And so he did. And, you know, we'll see what comes of it when we get to when we get to really this week and beyond because OTAs actually begin at the end of, of this month. Um, and the Bucks have them scheduled. And if Tom Brady's not there, I don't think anybody's going to be there. All right. Uh, before we talk about the Rays and the Lightning, got a lot going on there as well. Um, let's just delve in real quickly to a little more of the Buccaneers and, and the Glazer family. You remember what was it a week ago that one of the Manchester United games was essentially canceled because they had a bunch of people storm the pitch as it were out there at old Trafford. 
and it was ugly, right? There's been an anti-Glazer uh, movement for some time. Well, here comes uh, Peter King, Football Morning in America, one of my favorite writers, former SI uh, writer, used to have Money, Money, Quarterback. Here's what he wrote about the Glazers' ownership um, in his column, of one of the 10 things he thinks. He said, and I'll do it in Peter's voice, I think seeing the Glazers' ownership just lost a $240 million jersey sponsorship deal for their Manchester United soccer team because of the backlash against hated owners. It'd be surprising if they don't actually seriously consider selling. It's not going to get better. I've read too many things about how the fans and the locals badly want the Glazers to sell. And considering the passion of the fan base, one game has already was postponed because fans stormed the field. The sensible thing is to sell. Okay, well, it, I didn't know about the $240 million loss of jerseys. That is surprising to me, and certainly that is a hell of a lot of money, if true, and I don't have any reason to doubt it. But I would say this. What I know about the Glazers is they are not. They have been they have been disliked from the moment they bought Manchester United. That is not going to change. This idea of a Super League certainly may have been – they may have been the biggest – proponents or reason for it or or what have you um it went away quickly everybody had to buckle like belts when when they got the backlash but when it comes to to things like i don't know owning the greatest sports franchise or most recognizable and profitable maybe sports franchise in the in the world you're not going to bully them into selling I, i just i would be shocked at that you know how does it end i don't know but but listen it's a business. It's their biggest business. I mean, do we think that if Bucks fans got disenchanted enough and stormed Raymond James and got a game canceled because they couldn't take the Bucks losing anymore, that suddenly the Bucks that the owners would sell? I don't think so. It would take a lot more than that. So I might be wrong. I'm going to disagree with Peter on this one. I, I mean, you know, whatever happened, and I've I've listened to some of the the reports on the BBC, like they're embarrassed. They said, you know, you can protest. There's a lot of things you can do. What they did going on the pitch, that's that's not that's not ever effective. You're not going to bully or threaten somebody into doing something with violence or or you know destruction or whatever they want to do, burn down the stadium. Um, so they're going to have to find another way. But from the the Glazer family that I know, they're not going to be intimidated by that. I mean, they they've had to put up with a lot to this point. And they managed to to hold on to that ownership for a long time already, um, and I, I like I said, it's their number one holding of anything that they own. Yeah, they did lose it. Um, I was trying to. It was the Guardian in, in England reported it that the the Hut Group was beginning a deal on July one uh, that mm-hmm. they pulled out on their training kit deal. Yeah, um, that was two hundred forty million dollars US, two hundred million pounds. Well, let me just uh, and ask other you. Other sponsors I mean, are under assault too, but yeah, I, I, I mean, that seems like an opportunity for somebody else. I'm not saying they'll get that kind of money. Sure. I don't know, frankly, sure. but I mean, it's still the brand of Manchester United is still Manchester United. I don't know what they would have to do to damage it to the point where they can't make a fortune off of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, you know, who years from now, who knows what's going to happen? But short term, no, I don't see them selling. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this stuff happens in sports, whether. Your, your team has down years and you don't make as much or et cetera. I, I don't mm-hmm. see, I don't see this as being something that's going to force them to sell. No, I don't either. 
Well, uh, check out Peter King's column, if you will, Football Morning in America. Always good reading for sure. Uh, Let's talk about the Rays and them finishing up their road trip. They win four to three at Oakland, and that that makes it a five and two road trip. They they swept the um, the Angels, which was a, a great series for them. By the way, the Angels woof defensively. Oh my yeah, goodness, they really are, bad. I mean, you know, we, we criticize sometimes Willie Adamas because he'll miss a, a routine throw occasionally, or you know, you name you know name Brandon Lau make, make a mistake or whatever. But when you see when you saw that series against the Angels and how much they were throwing the ball all over the field. It really makes you appreciate how good the the Rays defense really is. It is good, and listen, they they benefited, you know, again on Sunday. There was a pop up to the catcher that was misplayed. Um, By the way, Grosso Mike Grosso, run, up. run, the ball's yeah. in the yeah, air, what are you run. Doing? <laughs> Never seen anything like that before. He just stood there and literally didn't go until the ball went off the get, the catcher's glove, hit the ground. And then, thankfully for him, he's got some wheels. He sprinted as hard as he could, but he was standing at home plate when he hit the ground. Yep. Um, so he got to first, and that was he could the, have been the on start. Second. Oh, easily. And that was the start of, of a, a three-run inning that, you know, the home run by Willie Adamas tied the game. They were down three to nothing in that game. And, of course, they win it um, on a home run by, uh, by Brasso. But, you know, I mean <laughs> – the thing about the thing about the Rays is is that they they're always in close games. I've been impressed by the way they've been able to manage their pitching somehow, some way. They found ways to win, um, you know, with the Angels, and, and and they did take advantage of all those errors that that you just mentioned. Um, the the series against Oakland, they could have won two out of three, maybe even all three. They were in all those games. They didn't get the big hit when they needed to. Um, the A's did, but but that turned around on Sunday. Here's the thing: they lose Kevin Kiermeyer again. Breaking news or breaking bones. Jeez, man. I'm telling you, the guy, look, all you know, every day I'm hustling, hustling. Yeah, you're hustling off to the trainer, dude. Like, there has to be somewhere in there a mama bear, right? You know, the old story of Goldilocks, like, it's cool to hustle. It really is. But to the point of where you break yourself all the time over and over again, you know, if you get hit by a pitch or – even if you're diving in the outfield for a ball, you know, to try to save a run. I mean, that's part of the job description. So is stealing bases. I have nothing against him trying to hustle to steal a base. What I can't understand is just since I've been around, this has to be at least the third, maybe the third injury of him sliding, diving, whatever, into a bag. I mean, he's, one time he got hurt sliding feet first into, into first, which you never should slide into first. But the other a couple times, I know I covered one game where he hurt his wrist, sliding headfirst into second. Now he's done it again, and maybe this one's not as severe. Although he woke up knowing that you know he wasn't going to be able to play for a while, and I think they have him on the on the ten day IL. But I don't know. I mean, how hard is it? You can still hustle. You can still try to steal bases. Just go in the bag with your feet, man. You put your hands out there, and your hands are everything you do. You throw with your hands, you catch with your hands, and for gosh sakes, you grip a bat with them. So those fingers, any one digit gets bent out of place, let alone your wrist in this instance, you're done. You're not going to be able to play. And I don't know why. I just don't understand why he hasn't been able to learn how to slide on his butt and and just commit to doing that every time. It It seems like he gets hurt the same way over and over again to me. I don't know. It really does. At least this time it wasn't sliding into first base, though. But well, that's true. And then he went, you know, he went feet first. Then he's right. We'll see. 
<laughs> yeah, well, don't slide into first base. I mean, that's the first problem. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because he he just can't he can't stay healthy. They've had a lot of injuries. Most of them on the pitching staff. Um, Diego Castillo now is out again. Um, you know, they've done a marvelous job. I think kind of spackling that together and actually. The pitching has been the strength of the team. They got they hit some home runs on this road trip. I mean this this was the thing. They didn't get a lot of hits. Nine home runs, I think. Sixteen of their runs nine. on this trip were yeah, uh, by home run. That's right. And as as Kevin Cash said, he goes, "Yeah, it, it it erases a lot of questions." He goes, "You know, you guys ask me all the time about you know hitting with runners in scoring position or why we didn't hit more." And really, they're still you know they haven't broken out of it as a team. They're getting. They're just getting the big fly. They're getting the big home run with guys on base, and that's sort of how they won these games um, during this road trip. I mean, you'll take. I mean, you'll take five and two any road trip, anytime, anywhere, right? But I mean, especially the West Coast with the time change right. and all that messes you up. You right. Take five and two any day. You take that they, at home. They, you take the home home stand five and two. Well, that and this has been the problem. They've not played well at home. It's wow. inexplicable. And now the Yankees are coming to town. And now the Yankees, who they own. And they own them in the trap. They own them in Yankee Stadium. They do, but the Yankees well. are playing better now. They are. It's a big series. And then after they play, it's New York, New York. It's uh, they play the Mets next. It's up to you, New York, New York. And then they go back. Then I think they go up and play the Yankees up there. So these next these next couple of weeks. But this ended like a seventeen day. I think seventeen games in seventeen days. Is that what they had before yeah, today's I day so. off? Yep. Yeah. By the way, the the next road trip is Baltimore, Toronto, not New York. So. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. Why yeah. did I think they go to the Yankee Stadium again? Maybe they do the June first. They're back there, or June oh, okay. May, or Memorial Day, uh, May thirty first through the third. It's a four game series. All right. There, so. Well, you know what they say about Memorial Day? That's when the season starts. So we'll see where they're at. But they're—I mean, look—they're um, they're above five hundred. You know, they've they've kind of gone back and forth. They're in it. Um, I still think they haven't played their best. Injuries have been a big part of the story. Um, sad story about Chris Archer. He lost his mom. Uh, while he's been on the IL, so yep. um, they had that that uh, to deal with as well. So a lot going on, and they've you know they've just had a, a rough time getting really any consistency at the plate from anybody, to be honest with you. And um, but fortunately, they hit some home runs, and, and they they had a good road trip. They just got to figure out a way to play better um, play better at home. The really surprising we, thing is that Boston is the best team in baseball record wise. I can't believe that. I just can't believe that. You know, they're three and a, the Yankees and them are three and a half back from them. So, yeah. uh, I don't anticipate Boston holding on to that. You know, playing six twenty nine baseball the rest of the year, but through thirty five games, it's pretty impressive. No one expected that from them this year. No, well, they got a new general manager. He's used to be some, down he's here made for some a while. Good moves, Heimbloom. Yeah, and he got criticized for a lot of it, and you know, and they got, and they also have a new, uh, you know, the, the new old bench coach as well. So. um you know that sort of thing matters, and they're off to a great start. So I don't, I don't know where this is all headed. I still think the Rays aren't playing their best. Um, they can get better. They're, I mean, they they really are piecing it together at this point. I mean, you know, you, you got Fairbanks back, but Castillo goes on the IL. Kiermaier's exactly. on the IL now. You know, hopefully G-Man Choi's back soon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's been you in he's Durham. Yeah, he's been in Durham. We're going to find out more tomorrow. We're going to be joined by Neil Solons on the podcast Good. tomorrow. So we'll have uh, everything on the Rays and the Wander Watch. Who? Oh, my gosh. They got a couple guys, including Wander, tearing it up. Yeah, Vidal Brujan as well is tearing it up down Whew. there. I mean, and and there's your shortstop and second baseman of the future. Nothing against Willie Adamas, but, hey, 
these two cats, they're just they're lighting it up. And you wonder, you wonder how long they. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks in AAA, but I, you wonder how long they would have to do it before the major league team says there's nothing that they can do down there anymore to prove it. You know, is it a hot start? Are they going to cool off? What? How long they want to see them do this? But well, the one interesting thing in the minors this year is that they're playing six game series. So mm-hmm. like, Durham was in Memphis all week playing them. And just seeing the same team, you know, I don't know if Memphis is any good. You know, probably helps. You know, they were, were they were they going against a bad team or were they going against a good team? Yeah, and, you know, I don't know, and you're seeing less teams and less often. So I don't know. I don't know. Although you're seeing the same pitchers probably over and over. So you know, adjustments being made by the pitchers and the hitters. You know, I, I don't know when you when you finally say, "Hey, you know, they, this is all they can do in, the, in AAA. It's time to move them up." I mean, it's been one week; it's not ready yet. Oh, I know. Um, I know. But but I don't know when that time will be. And, and I guess it, you know their play and and the eye test will be a big part of that too. So and how they're playing in the big leagues and can they use them? Are they going to help them win? Push them over the top? All that stuff. I mean, that'll yeah. come down the road. But I mean, you know, when Wander comes up and, and possibly Bruhan as well, you're going to want to play them every day. So Absolutely. do you have a spot that you're willing to put them in every day, whether they tear the cover off the ball or struggle at first? Because you're not right. bringing them up here to, okay, you struggled for three games, you're benched. Yeah, that's not what you're doing. I mean, you right. know, they did it with Willie Adamas. They did it with others in this system. You know, they brought in, and Willie Adamas was up here for a while, struggled. Went back they sent down. him back down. But it, they didn't just give him three or four games. I mean, they gave him a while. Mm-hmm. They said, this is your job right now. Now, when he continued to struggle, they sent him back down. He worked some things and came back up, and it was great ever since then. You know, so you know when you call them up, you've got to be you know because you're, you're kind of torn. You're in the hunt. You went to the World Series last year. Took the Dodgers to Game Six. You're playing to win this year. Are you willing to let a guy come up and, and give him the shortstop or second base role or third base role and say this is yours no matter what you do? I mean, yeah. we expect Wander Franco to do well, but you never know. You know, the first month or two of players up in the big leagues, how they'll do. I mean, you know, major league pitching is a lot better than AAA pitching. So, you know, in, in, in your win now philosophy, it's, you know, do you really think putting Wander, whether it's third base or shortstop or second, wherever you're going to put him in the lineup, that you're willing to say, this is yours? And, and, and I, while you're I'll trying you, to win a World Series this year, I'll tell you how this works. It, the, the The problem is usually answered for you. Uh-huh. There's usually there's usually an injury somewhere, and usually the guy comes up because you've got somebody on yep. on the IL. Um, maybe he's out for the year. Maybe he's not. But but regardless, he gets his chance because somebody's not playing. If he comes in and it's an extended injury and the guy just takes off, maybe he doesn't get his job back or. If the guy heals up, maybe you send him back down, not because he didn't play well, but because Willie Adamas or whoever spot he took um, is back healthy again. But I think it's going to take an injury and them needing um, these players to get their first bite of the apple. That's Unless we get to the end of the year in September and they can expand rosters, whatever. Um, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they're just going to arbitrarily say, you're in, this guy's out, unless somebody just struggles so mightily mm-hmm. that – you know you're willing to to ride it out with the with the rookie, but uh, I'll say this: these guys are they, they got some talent in that organization, and and they're going to be great, and they're going to be great for a long time. I think they know it. It's just a matter of of, of you know kind of walking that that line between you know he can help us win now, 
and oh yeah, by the way, he hasn't played a whole lot of baseball, let alone at the major league level. What happens when he struggles? Um, and do we want to kill his confidence? So somewhere in there, they'll figure out the right timing. But usually, uh, I think their first trip up is going to be because somebody gets hurt, and you can use them, um, and they're going to get you know extended playing time every day until this person's back. But we'll have to see how that all plays out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. The the interesting uh, and I am fascinated by this game. I watched Florida play the Lightning the other day, and I first I realized that there was a bunch of Lightning players out. Not the least of which was, you know, you don't have Stamkos and you don't have Kucherov. We know that, but then um, you know Victor Hedman was down. I think Jan Ruda was out. Ryan McDonough. Um, Ryan McDonough. So three of your top out. six defensemen, two of your top four. Yeah. So I mean, come on, who are they really playing, right? But man, was that a physical game. And, and extracurricular fighting and just, I mean, I think the Lightning wanted to set a tone, I guess. I think Florida did too. I mean, this, is a, yeah. this went both ways where yeah. these, these teams could play each other for nine straight games. They're, they're finishing. They've got game two tonight, and then the playoffs will start presumably this weekend, and it could go seven games. They're going to face each other in the first round. So nine straight games against the team. Mm. And these two games, yes, they determine home ice in the series, but both teams are in the playoffs. It, it, you know, it, home ice is important, but at the end of the day, I think both teams were trying to send a message. I mean, Pat Maroon mm-hmm. going into the game said, you know, we want them to leave going, holy crap, that's, uh, paraphrasing, holy crap, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, I mean, they went into the game wanting them to have that message. And Florida wanted the same thing, that, hey, you may be the champs, but we're here. Yeah. You know, and so it got physical. I thought the officials lost control of the game, and then they tried to get it back late. But by then, the score had put it in a position where they weren't going to. Um, we saw several fines handed out. Brandon Montour got five thousand dollars for spearing Pat Maroon, which led to his reaction, and he's now suspended for tonight's game. By the way, Tom Wilson, nothing in a suspension. Yeah, that's. Pat, Pat Maroon, and in the video by the NHL, even said, "Well, he didn't really hurt him or do anything egregious." But because he was already being pulled away by the officials, he suspended the game. But Tom Wilson's okay. So uh, Mackenzie Weger got five thousand dollar fine for high sticking Matthew Joseph. Um, yeah, that game got uh, it was well over one hundred and thirty penalty minutes. I think in that game, a lot of misconducts, a lot of players, you know, thrown out of the game early. Um, and then we find out on Sunday, not only did Pat Maroon going to be suspended Monday night, Barclay Goodrow is now out indefinitely with an upper body injury. Which, That's a bad one. Barkley Goodrow is the first guy on your penalty kill unit with Blake Coleman. That's bad. They're on that line with Yanni Gord, both of those two. Um, that's your, really your shutdown line and your energy line, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they say out indefinitely, uh, you know, I don't know if he's back for the season. He might be gone for the whole playoffs. Who knows? I mean, it may depend on how far they go, of course, too. But um, they have not set out for the season. It's out indefinitely. So it's not even like, yeah, next week or two weeks. I mean, at that point, you've got to think a month or more. For Barclay Goodrow, yeah. so 
if anything, it makes some decisions on your forward group a little easier. True. Because one of the things was when Stamkos and Kucherov comes back, presumably Alex Barry Belay sits, or Mitchell Stevens, who played on Saturday night, and then you had to pick who else was sitting. Matthew Joseph, Ross Colton. Would you sit Tyler Johnson? Those decisions just pretty much got made for you. Those guys will all probably be in. Here's the thing that would concern me, and I I might be way, way off base here, okay, because I know that um, you know Vasilevsky did not play the last two games, but he did play the last one. And no matter what you want to say about the extracurricular stuff and the power plays and all of that, they gave up five goals in their last two games in each game. Mm-hmm. That that does not sit well when you're heading into the postseason to me. You know what I mean? Like you just you can't give up that much, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Vassy in that. But like that's just not the way to play. I mean, you don't you don't want to ever put that out there on the ice. And so I. I think they need – whether they win this game and they get home ice, which would be obviously a, a big advantage if it wins seven games or whatever uh, in this first round with Florida, I think you need to to play defensively a hell of a lot better in front of your goaltender, whoever it is, um, and, and not give up that much. That That's just like – I, I would said, agree. I, a couple things on Saturday's game. One, your defensive core included Frederick Clayson, Ben Thomas – um, you Granted, know, I you know yeah. you had you had some you had I mean you didn't have Hedman you didn't have McDonough you didn't have Ruta three of your top six defensemen. Some of those goals were I don't want to say fluky, but I mean the one that bounced and that you know, was weird. Yeah. You know I I can't hit a golf shot that good. How do you get a hockey puck to do that? <laughs> um, you know I mean Backspin. so there, there was a couple of those. I mean uh, there was one or two that Vazzy probably wants back, but a couple of them. You know I mean those things happen in hockey. Yeah. Would, would you pin those on Vasilevsky? No. No. Does he need to play better than he did Saturday night in the playoffs? Yes. Did he play poorly? No. Um, you know, sometimes those things happen. Um, you know, particularly when pucks take weird bounces and things like that. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, what's what's he going to do on that? Nothing. Um, so, you know, did he play great? No. I anticipate he'll play tonight. I think if anything, you know, you might have wanted to rest him, but I think he'll want that bad taste out of his mouth of five goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would anticipate he'll play tonight, but they could rest him and play McElhaney instead. Um, you know, I, I the question is on the, on the play. in the defensive you know. end too. We didn't even talk about. So Hedman, McDonough, Ruda all day today. Chris Johnston, a reporter for Sportsnet on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, reported that Victor Hedman has had an injury since April thirtieth. That he'll need Jeez. surgery in the off season, but he's going to play through it this season. Oh gosh! Didn't know what the injury was. Mm. But his play hasn't been up to his standards of late, and now we know why. We don't know what the injury is, but it, it sure hasn't seemed like he's been the same Victor Hedman recently. Right. So, but at least, you know why now. But other teams also know that too, which isn't good. Yeah, I just remember one of the games I was watching, and it was coming off one of his poorer games, and they made mention that. Wow, Victor Hedman's really skating well tonight. When you say that, that means that he hasn't been skating well. Um, so they were showing a noticeable improvement. Um, but maybe the rest. Look, it's never a good thing when you have to have surgery and you're playing through something, right? Yep. So, um, but you know, now as, as far as McDon- McDonough didn't play the last five or six minutes of the game on Thursday, and then he was out for Saturday. Now the question is: with two games to go, you're in the playoffs. Hedman, Ruta McDonough. 
Could any of them play have played on Saturday if that was a playoff game? Maybe, yeah. I'm guessing, I mean, they're day-to-day. My guess is, yes, most of them probably could have, although we don't know. We know McDonough's uh, upper body injury, Ruda and Hedman are lower body injuries. That's all we know. Mm. You know, Was it just precaution to keep them out, or did, could they really not go? Hedman, if, if Chris Johnson's report's accurate, and he's a pretty good reporter, probably he could have gone. They're just going to rest him these two games to get him as much rest as possible before the playoffs. McDonough and Ruda, who knows? I mean, McDonough, like I said, didn't finish the game on Thursday. Maybe he d- does need a couple days before he's ready. And so, But my guess is for at least McDonough and Hedman, they don't play tonight. Ruda, if he can, you might want to get him in. He's only played one game back since being back from injury. You may want to get him another game before the playoffs if he if he can go. I, you know, don't know if he could. Um, but McDonough and Hedman, I would anticipate you will not see tonight. And of course, Pat Maroon and Barkley Goodrow are out now. All right, good luck, boys. Go get go get them. <laughs> and no Kucher Stamkos dealt either. So. Yeah, go get them, Syracuse. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, it sounds bleak, but I think I think the key is just that if you're nicked up at all and you can benefit from the rest. And you've talked about this with me. Uh, we were just chatting before the podcast. There's not enough, even though you'd love to have home ice, and and if you get to seven games, it certainly matters. But there's not enough incentive to t- try to risk a guy getting further hurt and maybe losing him for the series. Um, versus, you know, you have to have you know the home ice in this series. Like, yeah, you'd like to have it, but not at not at the expense of losing one of those guys you just mentioned for a series. So yeah, home ice is I, not I just, that important. If if you need yeah. to rest a guy, you rest him tonight. Exactly. I that's exactly where I was going. You said it very more succinctly than I did. <laughs> um anyway, hey, it's it's uh it's a Sunday night, which means uh we're just starting our week and it's a busy week coming up. Um as we mentioned, the Rays have their they finally get a day off after what's been like seventeen days without uh, one and then they start their series Tuesday against the Yankees. Stick around for the NFL schedule this week. That's such a big thing, right? As to who's going to host that? Who, who are the Bucks going to host? We assume they're going to host. Who they're going to host that first Thursday night, Week One of the NFL season? Well, much like we, we've talked about, Peter King in his column, he predicts yeah. it's going to be either the Cowboys or the Bills, mm-hmm. which those were two of our three picks. We said the Bears were a possibility as well. I think NFC you, team. You yeah. said the Bills. I said the Cowboys. Would right, be my pick. But the only thing about the Cowboys, I'm not as confident with now is, I, and I have to go back and look, but I don't know that they do much in, intra-conference matchups for the first game of the entire NFL. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. I know they don't like to play division games. A lot of people have submitted, hey, what about the Saints? They've opened the season two years in a row. Wouldn't it be great? Division rivals, you know, opening the season, Jameis Winston in Tampa, all that. And my thing would be, I don't think they want to do that for this 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 marquee yeah. sort of national matchup, and and you know disturb I'll, it that way. Although but, I do think they do like playoff rematches. They do for and sure. So they did play the Saints in the playoff and beat them. So not only is it a division foe, but you did play them in the playoff. So if they were playing Green Bay, they may have done that as the game possibly. Right, and they've opened, but they've opened with the Saints the last two years. Correct. And it, you know they did, obviously didn't make the playoffs till last year, but I'm just saying like. That's been their opener for a couple of years running now, and and it makes sense. That's their biggest rival, and probably their biggest um, you know team that they're going to have to get over to win the division. I just don't think they're going to make them play a division game to, right off the bat. I could be wrong. I mentioned Chicago; it's a big market. 
Um, I don't know if Justin Fields will be the quarterback. That Andy might Dalton's be- QB one. I keep telling you, that's what yeah, they that's what they put on Twitter. They changed the stadium to Soldier <laughs> Field, so I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be just. But aside from that, um, Buffalo just because it, you know playoff team went mm-hmm. to the AFC Championship, marquee team um, from the AFC, the state of New York. I think that'd be um, the best game. To me, that's the best game. But and I then, think the star power of the Cowboys. Uh, really Dak Prescott. Yes, Dak Prescott, Jared Jones, um, all of that. Dallas, I mean, you know, America's team. They like them, love them, hate them, don't care, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's eyeballs on them. Whatever you do and write about the Dallas Cowboys, move the needle in the NFL. So that would certainly be a great one. So, yeah, I think it's going to come down to Dallas or Buffalo. I would, I would, I would agree with that. We've been, I've been saying Buffalo. You've been saying Dallas. One of us is right more than likely, or we're both wrong. Um, but we're going to find out Wednesday, and we're going to find out together. That comes out at 8 o'clock. Here's what, here's what we Network. do know. Win, win, <laughs> win, yeah. win. By the way, that guy got a little heat, uh, Pro Football Talk, um, talking about John Gruden, um, because he has not talked to anyone since the season ended. He is not. He didn't have a press conference before the draft. He didn't have one after the draft. Um, he just has, you know, it's kind of all on Mike Mayock now and, and Jim Trotter of the NFL network wrote a fairly damning story about John and, and, uh, concluded that he thinks the Raiders are worse as a football team than, than what they were when he took over. Um, and the record certainly isn't good. So this is a, uh, going to be an interesting year, very important year. Uh, for the Raiders, which you got to believe that they're they're looking at Aaron Rodgers as much as anybody, because John uh, always wants quarterbacks. But hey, one more uh, former uh, Tampa Bay coach, John Tortorella, and the Columbus Blue Jackets have mutually that. agreed to part ways, which yeah. his contract's up. Not right. surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he'll coach next year or go to Is TV coach- or just ride off in the sunset, who knows? No. But. Coach for life, coach for life. It's like a, it's a Supreme Court appointment. It's just different teams. You win a Stanley Cup, I'm convinced you can coach any oh, team anywhere. He'll be hired. Yeah, he'd be hired tomorrow if he wants to coach. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a good coach. I mean, he brought Columbus to the playoffs. Well, they've made the playoffs every year since 2016. Right. Got their first playoff series victory under Tortorella against the Lightning, who at that point had won 62 Best team games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a hell of a coach. He can right. wear out his welcome over time. Right. Um, the, his style and his way of coaching, but – you know, if if you got an up and coming team that needs some discipline in that, I'd hire him in a heartbeat. No question so about it. Where's he been? So was it? Did he go from the Lightning to Vancouver? Is that what it was? Uh, well, he's been in Vancouver. He was at the Rangers. Oh, then the, the Blue Rangers, Jackets. I don't remember the, the order. I don't remember the order of all. So, but stuff. we're like three stops away from the Lightning already. Like we're down the tracks a while. Oh yeah. I mean, so well, he, he was let go like, in what oh seven oh six. No, maybe it was oh eight. I don't remember when he was let go here. Before I was here, but I mean. It's been a while. I mean, like we're we're three teams later. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going on our fourth team since the Lightning, since that Stanley Cup. But that Stanley Cup, and I'm not saying he did a bad job in those other places. I don't know. I, I agree. I would agree with you with Columbus for sure. Um, and in fact, the fans I think were actually uh, cheering for him and chanting his name or whatever mm-hmm. uh, in that final game because they they understood that he was leaving. But um, yeah, I mean, it seems like if you know, there's just not a lot of guys walking the planet right that have won a Stanley Cup and. You know, he's a good coach, but this has been, I mean, you know, that's a lot of teams now that he's uh, that he's led. So I guess he gets another job if he wants it. I'm if sure he wants it, he'll be hired. Absolutely. Yeah. It's no amazing question. to me. No question. So we got that. And then, um, 
And we got minicamp. Minicamp starting up. Uh, maybe. Players are maybe. Well, maybe. <laughs> players arrive on Wednesday, um, assuming they show up and don't listen to Tom Brady and others. Uh, and then uh, they practice on Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday. And uh, we'll be uh, returning to Parts Unknown on Sunday. And then we'll see after that if there's going to be OTAs or the veterans are going to come in or what happens. Maybe maybe I'll have the whole off season off. Maybe I won't see anybody again until July, like late July. would be great. You know, back in you the day. You don't see anybody now like, anyway. It's Zoom. Well, that's true. It's all Zoom. <laughs> you know what? We are, um, this is kind of special. We're going to, at least uh, during the rookie minicamp, which is closed to fans, in case you're wondering, um, we're going to be able to, we're going to do Zoom, of course, with players uh, after their walkthrough at about 1130 or so. And then after we get done with four or five of those at one thirty, which is kind of like the regular season schedule, I think they start practice. We'll be able to watch practice. From I'm sure a very socially distanced area and with masks on, I would imagine. Uh, and then after practice, though, Bruce Arians is going to speak to us on the field, so we'll be some distance away. But we're actually wow. going to be—I know—it's like talking to a real human being, which we we've talked to Bruce. We did it at his golf tournament and things like that. But this is an NFL allowing him to stand uh, at a reasonable distance, I guess, from us, and actually we don't have to get him on a Zoom, which is progress to me. Like, hey. Mm-hmm. I'll take what I can get in person. We've seen baseball in the NBA, now the NHL, relaxing protocols for teams that have gotten to 85% vaccination rate. That's right. Or their traveling part. I believe the Lightning are one of those. The Rays, if they're not already at 85, they might be just waiting the two weeks uh, after right. your final shot to to get to that mark. I think they're going to be one of those teams as well in baseball. Yeah. Um, where Pure they pressure. can do a little more on the road, go, to, go play golf, go out and do some stuff. Uh, I don't think you go to the club or anything, but... Yeah. Um, but you'll be able to do a little more on the road where you're not just sitting in your hotel room the whole time. So, I tell you, it's liberating. And um, for me, and I hope you guys all had a happy Mother's Day. I hope you uh, honored your wife, uh, sister, girlfriend, mom, whatever. Um, I had uh, I posted this on Twitter. I had not gone out to, to a place with my mom, um, who's 93 years old, by the way. Wow. And, and yeah, and lives by her. It's remarkable. She's still sharp as a tack. And she... She got to see her granddaughters for the first time in like almost eighteen months. Wow! Um, and and she's fully vaccinated. We're vaccinated, obviously, um, but we were able to take her out for like uh, kind of a brunch on Mother's Day, and it was amazing. You know, just amazing um, that that we were able to do that. But yeah, I, I I just think that as as you know, more vaccinations, more you're able to do, more normalcy. I know the NFL plans on playing with full stadiums. Um, there was a boxing match, I think, at what was it Jerry's place, Jerry World, the other night that had uh, set a record. I think and I believe the Braves had full capacity this weekend against their series against the Phillies. Yeah, so it's it's coming back. Whether you feel like you should go or not go, if you've been vaccinated, you certainly would be more protected, maybe than not, but. Uh, I think we're getting there, and by you know by July, August, September, when football season rolls around, like I said, I know they're planning on full stadiums. I don't know what that's going to look like or the requirements, but I'm excited about it. And I just hope that you know we'll be able to sit down and actually talk to to players or be in the building or, or whatever they'll allow us to do. But we're going to do it. So anyway, busy, busy week uh, this week for all the sports. Keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We're going to have Neil Solons, the Rays pre and post game host tomorrow to talk about the Rays and their upcoming series against the New York Yankees as they begin a homestand against the Yankees and the Mets. So 
Uh, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.